5, verse 17. That's where we're going to get started. <clears throat> and just to, just to brace yourselves, we're talking, talking about personals and responsibility this morning. So buckle your seatbelts. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your anointing in this place. Your word says that where two or more of us are gathered, there you are in the midst of us, Father God. So we know that you're here. We know that your anointing is present to break yokes and provide light and revelation and guidance, Father God, that a one touch from you is life-changing, Father. And we've come here expecting, expecting of your anointing, expecting of your word, Father, that, that we will receive what you have for us, Father God, what we need, not necessarily what we want, Father God, but you know what we need, and we come to you seeking after you, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's an important distinction because we all think we know what we want. Well, I want this and I want that. Well, that's, that's fine and dandy, but what you want oftentimes doesn't line up with what God wants and what God needs for where, where you need to be and what God needs you to have. Um, they go crossways a lot of times because our flesh and emotions are involved a lot in, in the decisions that we're making and the the directions we want to go, and, and uh, God isn't hampered by those things, nor does he have to take those things into account when he decides what he'd like us to do. Thank God. Glory to God. Amen? Because we don't want him taking into account our feelings, or we'll be in a very rough place, because we already have that problem. We don't need him to have that problem. <clears throat> so this morning, we're going to talk about personal responsibility. Um, it's extremely important as a person, but especially as a believer, that we realize uh, that we are responsible for almost everything in our lives. Um, and I mean, there's very few things that are outside of our control as a believer. As a regular person, a layman, uh, a sinner, that's not true. They have very little control over their lives. Uh, but we as believers have a large amount of control over what happens in our life. Um, both circumstances and, and things that we walk into. We have control over all of those things if we'll take it. Um, it's our choice. So those are the kind of the things I want to get into this morning because we are all aware of and have been exposed to doctrines out there, either religious or purposefully deceptive, because a lot of religious, the religious ideas are just founded in complete ignorance. And they're not, not necessarily founded in malice, uh, but either way, the result is still failure if you follow those, those doctrines and those beliefs. Um, the devil does it on purpose because he doesn't want you to succeed. He wants you to fail. And the religious people do it because they just don't know any better. But either way, the result is the same, so we want to avoid that. But a lot of those things we've heard of, I mean, the, the God is sovereign one is a real popular uh, doctrine that talks about God being in complete control, which he is of his will. Uh, he is in control of his will. What he wants to happen will happen. It's just a matter of if you're going to be involved with it or not. That's, that's the part that he's not in control of. But people use that statement of God is in control as a, as a way to just take their hands off of their life and say, well, whatever God wants to do is going to happen. That's not true. It's true as in he's going, what he's going to do as far as the earth is concerned and the, the way humanity is going to go in the results of the book of Revelation, that's all going to happen. There's nothing you can do to change that. What you do have control over is your part in all of that. And God has no control over that. He, he puts that before you and says, hey, I'd like you to do this. 
It's our choice whether that happens or not. But far too often, like I said, either through ignorance or malice, people fall to the lie that, no, God is in control of every little tidbit of my life. Everything that happens in my life is God's will and in his control, which is a complete and utter lie. I mean, God, God did not control somebody's child going home early. He didn't do that. He didn't. He didn't control you getting sick. He didn't control you being in lack. He, didn't con- he was not part of any of that. But there are mass amounts of the body of Christ that believe that it is. That it is. It is God's, this is God's will. Well, that's a lie. And more to what we're talking about this morning, if you fall for that lie then you are releasing control over that situation. If you say God is in control of this and he did this, how are you going to step in and do anything about it? You can't, how are you, are you going to overpower God? No. But the lie is that he wasn't involved with it at all. So they're releasing their control of a situation they should have a handle on and saying, well, it's God's deal. No, it's not. It's my deal. But if I've released control of it, then whose deal is it? Just kind of floating around out there, and the enemy is more than happy to guide your ship if you're not going to steer it. And we have to take responsibility for that. And, and the other side of it is a lot of people fall for that, that doctrine because it takes that pressure off of you. And the flesh is most willing to take that pressure off. The flesh doesn't like pressure. It doesn't like being saddled with, hey, you've got to do something about this. We all know that. You want to know how we know that? Dieting. That's how we know that. Because the flesh doesn't like that. Your doctor tells you, hey, you need to lose a few pounds. And your flesh is like, well, I don't want to. That's a lot of work. Work and not eating all the things that I want to eat and drinking all the things I want to drink. And then I got to go and do stuff like exercise? What? No. That's how we know that our flesh is like that. Well, it's that same way with spiritual stuff. It doesn't want to hear, hey, we've got to renew our mind and control our thoughts. What? I've got to put in work? Yes, you have got to put in work. If you want to be in control, you don't have to be. Like I said before, the devil is more than happy to take over whatever control you're going to cede to him. More than happy to. It's his job. It's it's his goal to do that. So God is not in control. You are in control. God is your navigator. I've been over this before, and I don't know when I taught about it, but God is your navigator. You're the captain. He'll stand right next to you and say, go over there. Go over here. But it's your choice whether you do it. Whether you actually steer your life that way is completely and totally up to you. He's not going to push you any which way. He's going to lead you and he's going to guide you. The other side of it, another part of that discussion is through ignorance, people don't know what the will of God is. They walk into a situation and they get bald-faced lied to, but they don't know any better because they've not spent the time to do what Paul told us here in Ephesians. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We are charged multiple times to put our nose in that book and figure it out. 
God's very clear about what his will is if you're going to keep your eyes open and your mind open. Because there's far too much religious junk we've all been taught over the years that gets in the way when you read stuff. Well, I don't believe that. It's what the Word says. Didn't ask for your interpretation or what you believe. It's what it says. It stands whether you believe it or not. It's like gravity. Gravity don't care if you believe in it or not. It's still going to work. All of the laws of physics are going to work. Well, I don't believe in lift and thrust. That plane's flying whether you want it to or not. Because it's a law. It works. That's the same thing with the Word of God. It's going to work whether you say, I don't believe it or not. It's still going to work. Sowing and reaping works. It works. Both in the positive and the negative, which is the part people have a hard time with. Well, they have a hard time with both of those. But they have a real hard time understanding, hey, if I want to reap friendliness, maybe I should be friendly. If I want to reap kindness towards me, maybe I ought to be kind to other people. Well, I don't know why everybody's mean to me. Are you? I don't know. Maybe take a look. Now, people will be people. And you'll come across just an ignorant cuss who's going to be an ignorant cuss. Whether you do anything or not, those people are out there. But you you have a lot of control over what you're sowing out there. Well, I don't believe that. It's still going to work whether you believe it or not. So I would advise that you get on board. As a believer, we should know that. And we have a job that if we want to be successful, we need to spend time to figure out what the will of the Lord is. Because religious, the religious system, I guess you could call it, and the enemy are constantly going to come to you and lie to you. Just straight up lie to you about what the will of the Lord is. It's not God's will to heal you. It says it in so many places we don't have time to go over it that it is the will of God that you're healed in the word of God. Well, I don't believe it's God's will for you to prosper. I'm sorry, there are too many instances of it in the word of God for me to believe otherwise. But how many believers do you know that that's what they believe? But it's a lie. The the word does not say that. But they've been lied to. And because they don't know the truth, they release control of that situation in their life. Well, it's not God's will, so I'm on my own. You are choosing to be on your own because you don't have to be. You could have control of that situation if you knew the will of the Lord for that situation, which we're charged to do. Now, obviously, you're not going to know every single thing you walk into because you're going to come across stuff you just haven't dealt with before. But the, the fact of the matter is, then, what time is it? Time to go to work. Time to figure out what the will of the Lord is for this situation. Because I don't know about you, I want to be in control. And I'm not a type A control freak. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I don't want something coming into my life and dictating to me how things are going to happen. Because the Bible says that all this stuff that we can see is temporal. It's temporal, which means it's what? Temporary. Because if it went from good to bad, what can it do? Go from bad to good. Because it's temporary, it's temporal, it's changeable. But if I don't walk in what I know to be the truth, that's what's going to change the situation. Not me, you know, well, I I wish things would change. Well, that's not enough. 
That's not enough. The Word of God is the power that will change that situation. But I've got to know it. I've got to know it because that's the only way I can have control of that situation. By speaking what God said, because that's what changes, because it says the word stands. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what stands? The word of God stands. It will stay forever. It's the truth forever. My health is temporary. My finances are temporary. My, my state in my life, my relationships are temporary. If they're bad now, they can be good tomorrow. But I've got to use the thing that's eternal to make that change. That's what goes up against those temporary things and says, uh-uh, nope, they're getting better. But what do I have to do? I have to know that. I have to know that and not be lied to and told, well, no, no, you don't have any control in that situation. That's God's will. Liar. <laughs> Liar. Know and understand what the will of the Lord is. Our flesh loves to throw off responsibility. We see it in society. It loves it. It will do it at any chance. This isn't my fault. Oh, it's not my fault. As soon as it figures it out, it's not my fault. So if we give it that rope, it's going to take it. But what we need to do as believers, if we want to take control, we've got to take responsibility. Because the moment I say, I am in control of this, then you have a chance to change it. God has given me control through his word. Now I can go to work. Now me and God can go to work. I can take the word of God and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and I can change this situation. But I have to shoulder that responsibility. I can't say, well... I asked Pastor Morgan to pray about it. It's Pastor Morgan's fault it didn't come to pass. No, that ain't his job. That's my job. It's my life. Well, I, I went to the pastors for healing. I asked them to pray. What, what's wrong with you? Are you broken? That's what I ask my kids all the time. Are you broken? Can you get me water? Are you broken? Can you get me a snack? Are you broken? That's what God's looking at us sometimes. We go, well, God, I, this, is, this is happening. And are you broken? Why aren't you taking control of this situation? Now, that doesn't feel nice. Your flesh doesn't like that, just like mine doesn't like it. But the, situ the, the fact of the matter is, are we going to put our big girl pants, big boy pants on and go, this is my life, and I'm going to take control of this? You don't have to. There are plenty of people that aren't. But if you want to, this is the road. This is it. It ain't fun. It's fun when you get control, though. When you're in control and something comes to lie to you and you go, no, 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 you're not taking my, you're not taking my prosperity, whatever kind of prosperity it is. You're not taking my health. You're not taking my family. You're not taking my relationships. You're not taking my kids. Nope, 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 nope. That feels good. Yeah. That's when life gets fun. Yeah. <laughs> when you're in control and you can look at a situation and say, you're bad now, you're going to be good tomorrow. Yeah. It's changing. It's not staying this way. 
Things are getting better. <laughs> but we're the only ones that have that. Believers are the only ones that have that. We're the only ones that have this path to a good life, to a life with Jesus, because we have access to him. But it only works if we work. It only works if we work. Well, I don't, I don't feel like it. That's fine. That's fine. Just don't expect that things are going to work like you want them to when you're not working. That'd be like you going to your boss and saying, hey, boss, I know I haven't worked in the past three weeks, but I'd sure like a check. How's that going to go for you? Not real well, I don't think. It's not going to go well. Well, we need to look at our spiritual life the same way. Well, things aren't going real good. I'm not liking what I'm seeing. Well, seed sower, farmer, what are you doing? And it's, it's not fun. It's not ha-ha, laugh, laugh, good time. It, but it's, if, you want, you, you do, if you want to enjoy your life in Christ, this is what it is. God didn't say it was going to be easy. He said his yoke is easy as in you don't have a problem. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about you get to lay in the hammock for six months out of the year. That's not the easy he's talking about. The easy he's talking about is when you walk into a situation, you already know you won. If you already knew you aced the test, what, what bother is the test? This is easy. I've walked into, not, I'm not going to not toot my own horn here, but I'm a good student. I never had to try to get good grades. I never had to study much. I just attained, retained, and was able to pass things without a problem. So every time I walked into a test, it was easy. I didn't ever sweat bullets. Oh, oh man, i got to study some more. I don't know if I'm going to be able to. Nope, never. Not once. Not once. Never had to. I walked in, piece of cake. What do you think you got? A, no problem. That's easy. But I still had to do the what? The work. I still had to do it. I can't walk up to the teacher and say, this is such an easy test, I don't even think I have to take it. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. You still got to do the work. You still got to go in and take the test. But if you know all the answers and you know how to beat the test and you know everything, what is it? It's easy. It's easy. It's a piece of cake. That's what God's life for us is supposed to be. Not no work, but easy. Easy. Because I'm, I'm getting through this. I'm going to come out the other side. What? Not even smelling like smoke. Piece of cake. <laughs> that's what God wants. That's, that's the kind of life God wants us to have. But he's not going to make it happen. He can't. He put everything out there. He said, here's everything you need to do it. But you still got to do it. You still got to take what he's provided and use it the way that he dictates to get the results. That's how it works. A lot of believers don't like that. Well, I think God should. That's fine. But God's not. He's not. I think he should. He doesn't care. Notice he didn't, he didn't come to any of us when he wrote the Bible and said, what do you think I should write over here? No. No. I don't think he ever went to Paul and said, Paul, what do you think we should write? No. The Holy Spirit dictated all of that, and they 
just use their hands to pen out what the Holy Spirit wanted to say. So we're the ones that get to decide, am I going to follow it or am I not? And I've talked about James, and we've actually already mentioned it, where he talks about your tongue being like a bit in the horse's mouth as far as our life is concerned. It's how we control our life is with our words, with our mouth. That we use it to be like the captain of a ship, steering it whichever way we'd like to go. Now, I don't have time to go. That's a totally different lesson, and I've taught on your words before, but that's how we do it. That's the, that's the, the beginning. It talks about it in Romans. That you believe under righteousness, and you what? You confess unto salvation. Can, what does that mean? That means you're speaking. It means you're talking with your mouth. That's a whole other lesson. We don't have time to do that today. But that's, that's, the, that's the base floor, is we've got to watch what we say. Because that's how you know what you believe, is what's coming out of your mouth. You and I have, all, have caught ourselves saying something that you want to, oh, no. Well, what does that mean? That means something's in there that needs to get out of there. Because your heart is speaking out of the, the it, your mouth is speaking out of the abundance of what's in your heart. So when something comes out and you're like, no, come back, that means there's something in there you've got to work on. And that doesn't mean cussing somebody out. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about things you said, and as soon as you said it, you know that's not what the Word says. But I still said that. I've caught myself recently. It happens. And you go, well, let's get to work. Let's get to work. And if you listen, if your ears are attuned to it, not that you need to be the Holy Ghost police and policing other people's speech, but you can hear it all the time. People talk like that constantly, constantly. And most of, a lot of the times it's probably not believing believers, it's not active word of faith people. They're just, they're just you know, heathens or, or backslidden Christians or religious people. They, they don't know no better. They, don't, they just don't know. Which is fine, and it ain't my job to walk up to them and give them a sermon there on the street corner and say, you shouldn't be saying that. That's not, nope. Don't bother. Don't bother. But that should be an example to us and say, yeah, I've got to watch it. I've got it, because that could be me. That could be me. Because you, you slip right into it so easy. So easy. Let's go to James 1, 7 and 8. James 1, 7 and 8. God is not in control of our every decision. That is something we have to keep in mind. Because religion is always, in the enemy, are always going to push that. Well, God's in control. God's in control. God's in control. It's, it's, it's the big thing nowadays. I'm sure, I'm sure it's never really gone away. It's always been there. Because it's, it's, easy, it's easy to say God's in control. Because if he's in control, what does that mean? I'm not. It means I don't got to worry about it because I'm not in control. That's easy street for your flesh. Because that means what? No work. This happens, God's will. That happens, God's will. No, no, 
I'm in control. And people, people who fall for that are getting stolen from left and right. Because then it's, you know, well, God, I got sick, but it's God's will. Well, what does that mean? You, your health just got stolen from you. It just got, you just got mugged in broad daylight in front of everybody. And you, you just sat down there and said, well, there's nothing I can do. Same thing. Same thing with our finances. Same thing with our relationships. Well, I guess, I guess that's just the way it's going to be. Is it? It is if you, if you say that and you believe that, that's exactly what's going to happen. Because that, that's, that's a more common one. Because most, most like people like us, faith people, won't come out and say it's God's will because they know better. But they'll say, oh, well, I, I just, that, it's just the way it's going to be. It is what it is. Why is it? Why is it? Because you let it be that way. That's why it is. It is what it is. Only because you didn't do anything else about it. When it and I'm talking about my, our lives, okay? I'm talking about my life. Obviously, I can't go over here and meddle in Pastor Morgan's life and say, well, I'm going to control everything about Pastor. No, good luck. You ain't got no power over there. You ain't got no authority over there. But when it comes to me and my life, it is what I say it is. And what, and what I say it is should be connected to what God says it is. If I'm doing it the way I'm supposed to be doing it. So if it's not, I shouldn't just be throwing up my hands and going, well, I mean, I guess that's just, that's just the way it is. No. It's not. What is it? Temporary. Whatever just happened is temporary. Which means it went from good to bad. It can go from bad to good. But only if you're going to seize that control and say, no, that's not the way that it's going to be. The word says whatever it says, whatever situation I'm dealing with, and we're going to change this. It's those words that you've got to be careful of. The euphemistic ones that all wrap around to mean the same thing. Well, I'm not, it's not my fault that this happened. It's not my fault. That's, it's just, it's a catch-all. That's where all of those funnel down into. It is what it is. What does that mean? It's not my fault. Some cosmic force came on the scene and dictated that this was going to happen, and that's what happened. I mean, I just heard somebody when I was on vacation and said, oh, man, if it's destined to be, if it's supposed to happen, it'll just happen. What kind of stuff are you smoking? That is not how life works. But people believe. They live their whole lives like that. Well, what is that? That's just sitting back here, leaning against the back of the boat, letting, letting the wind steer the ship. It's just kind of flopping around wherever. Oh, it's, it's destiny. No, it's idiocy on your part is what it is. On their part, I'm not talking to you all. You all know better than that. I'm just trying to reinforce here that we've got to stay on top of this. On top of it at all times. Because it's our responsibility to do so. I can't blame anybody else when I didn't do what I needed to do. Hmm. But our flesh constantly wants to do that. 
And the enemy will continue to make sure that we always have somebody to blame it on. And it's, it's, it's common because people, even down to the, the basic sayings that we have, well, you made me angry. No, they did not. You chose to get angry. They didn't make you anything. They don't have control over your emotions. But kids, if you catch kids, they say that all the time. Well, he made me angry. No, he didn't. You chose to get angry. That was your response to that situation. Right or wrong, that was your response. So don't take responsibility for it. If you screwed up, that's fine. You can fix it. If you grab, if you grab hold of the responsibility and say, I messed it up. Well, what does that mean? If you messed up, next time you can not mess up. But if it was their fault... You can't do anything about that. If they made you angry, they're going to make you angry again. Hmm. And they have, and kids, the thing is, is kids aren't taught that anymore. They're not taught that anymore. I know because my kids are in the public school system and I have to reverse engineer all the crap they're hearing in in there. Oh, you can, you can go over the corner and, and take a few minutes and just calm yourself down. You can, you can have a moment. What did they call it? What was it called? No, it wasn't a timeout. It was, it was self-imposed. It was like a little, uh, a, I forget what the teacher called it. It was back when Adeline was in first or second grade. And she had a little, a giant stuffed turtle where if the kids were getting overwhelmed, they could just go over to the corner and sit on the stuffed turtle and, 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 and just take a minute. It was, it was, it, I was, I was like, oh my gosh, what is going on? What is going on? Where is that? Get that under control. I mean, get a hold of yourself, people. But you know what it comes from. It's our fault. It's the generations coming up. It's their fault. Saw it at a soccer game yesterday. This girl uh, was, Adeline's, Adeline's team was playing, so it was all girls. And this, this girl booted it in a little, at least eight years old, okay, at least eight, maybe older, caught a soccer ball right in the face. I mean, boom, right in the face. I mean, flash of lightning. The mom is on the field grabbing her daughter and hugging her and pulling her off the field. And the ref's like, uh, excuse me, there's a soccer game going on right now. What are you doing on the field? I mean, it was instantaneous, and I was shocked. I was, I was like, what are you doing? Helicopter mom, that's extremely damaging to a child. You should, at eight years old, you should be able to shake it off. Yeah, it hurt, but you're eight. This isn't the first time you've been hurt. You should be able to shake it off, rub some dirt on it, and keep going. You want to have yourself a little cry, that's fine. Ask for a sub, get off. But mom runs on the field and takes her kid off the field. She's not the coach. She just, she's supposed to be a bystander, which means stand by. Don't go out there. And I'm like, oh. and that's, I turned to Kat and I said, that's the problem right there. That is the problem with this up and coming generation. Is that any, anything, oh baby, oh, oh, oh. no. Get tough. Life is hard. Stuff's going to happen. Shake it off. I mean, my, 
my daughter was covered from head to toe in mud, in bleeding from two spots the game before that, did she ask to come off the field? No. Because she knows that she's out there to play a game, and she's the goalie, and she's going to stop that ball, whether she's, and she dove for it, hit the ground, mud, dirt, everywhere. And she did the whole game like that. I mean, she was just, I'm like, we're baby, you got to get in the shower because you are filthy dirty. And I was so proud of her because she just, she just went after it, man. Went after it. And then was heartbroken because she let, she, they scored three goals on her. She stopped about 15 of them, but they scored three. And she was crying about, I let them score. Th-. I'm like, baby, it's okay. Your team's horrible. It's not your fault. You did your job. The rest of the team didn't pick up any of the slack is the problem. But that's a different discussion for a different day. You did what you needed to do. You did good. But it's, it's, the, it's the coddling of the flesh. And we do it all the time as ourselves. Oh, oh, I had such a rough day. I think I'm going to lay down and have a pint of ice cream and hot cocoa. Why? Why? Well, because I deserve it. Why? Because life is hard. Oh, suck it up. Suck it up. It's not that hard. You have Jesus on your side. It shouldn't be that hard. Because if it's getting hard enough where you've got to cope with some ice cream, you've got to figure something out. Because something ain't going right. <laughs> and I'm all for ice cream. I love ice cream. You may be able to tell that I love good food. But that don't mean you, you use that, use your circumstances as an excuse to, oh, it's, it's okay. No, it really isn't. It really is not. Because the idea is, oh, well, I'm, I've got I've to soothe this over because what? Because there's going to be more tomorrow. Well, why is there going to be more tomorrow? Why isn't it changing? Why haven't I seized control and said, no, that, no, no more. No more of this trash. I am done with this. And then do the work. Do the work to change the temporal. But am I going to do it? It's up to me. It's up to me. I'm the captain. What am I going to do? Who fixes the problem? Who fixes it? I do. I have to. I have to fix that problem. In James here, in James 1, 7 and 8, it says, For let not the man suppose that he will receive anything from God, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now he's talking about, right before this, he says, For anyone who lacks wisdom, come to God and ask. But it says, come to God and ask, not doubting. Not doubting. Not doubting what? That he'll receive. Well, why would you doubt that you wouldn't receive? Because you, you're believing lies. You're believing something that isn't true. You don't think God's going to give it to you. Well, what is that? That's a lie. Because the word says different. But if we believe something wrong in one area and we have doubts about God, it says, let not that man suppose that he'll receive what he's believing for. No. Let not him believe that he will receive anything. Anything. Not necessarily the thing that he was going to God about. 
anything. Well, what does that mean? That means I got to have it together. I can't be getting fooled over here and fooled over there and fooled over here. Why? Because if I'm believing lies, it generates doubt in myself about all the other stuff. Because if God wouldn't give me wisdom, why would he heal me? If he doesn't give me wisdom, why would he prosper me? If he doesn't give me wisdom, why would he help me with my relationships or my self-control or anything else? Well, when you take it all the way out, the answer is he wouldn't. There's no guarantee that he would. Because if he's not going to do one thing for you, he could just as easily not do something else for you. And your mind makes those connections like that, whether you realize it or not. It goes all the way to the end with that logic. That's why, that's, why it's such a, that's why the enemy attacks your salvation almost immediately. Why? Because if he knows he can get that doubt at the ground floor, he can, he can cloud everything else up. Notice that when you have a nice clean glass of water and you put a spoonful of mud in there, you can't, you can't then separate a little bit and get a clean drink of water. No. It's all messed up in there. It's all mixed up. You ain't getting no clean drink of water out of there. Why? Because it contaminates everything, just like doubt. Doubt contaminates everything. That's why you've got to root it out from the ground up. But if you go into the situations looking to the Word of God for the answers and the truth from the jump, then you don't have to worry about doubt. Because then when somebody comes and lies to you and says, Pastor Nid, I know that you don't believe this, but God gave you that cold to teach you a lesson. That's exactly right. Liar, liar. Well, how do you know that? And you don't have to call somebody a liar right to their face. And like, you know, you don't got to be rude to folks. You can say, oh, bless your heart or whatever you want. I don't know. You can say whatever you want to them. You can be rude to them for all I care. That's up to you. But <laughs> it's not me that's dealing with them. So, but what I'm saying is the response to that, it should be no. No. And I've, I've told people that before. I've, I worked with a nice, she's a super nice Catholic lady. Uh, but she, or she grew up Catholic, I should say. And it, 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 like we've been talking about, it clouded everything that she believed. It, it, had a, it had a finger all, that religious idea had fingers all over the place. She had the serenity prayer on her desk. And, and oh man, I, I wanted to snap that thing in half so many times. But you got to be nice to folks. I mean, you can't be. But she, she would, she was one of those people that believed that God takes people. And I had, she came into my office, you know, you believe what you believe. If the Holy Spirit tells me to talk to you, I'm going to talk to you. But other than that, I'm, because if I, I am not going to interject me into a situation, because I don't have any power. The Holy Spirit has the power. If he tells me to go somewhere and do something, that's when I'm going to do it. But if you bring your stuff into my orbit, then we're going to have a talk because I don't need that in my orbit. So she came to me and was talking to me about this and that. And, you know, I think her, it was her niece or, or somebody in her family was having a, she was a, she was a substance abuser. She was addicted to, I think it was alcohol, but it might've been, it might've been drugs, but she died. And, uh, and she came to me, and, and she was having a tough time. And she knows that I'm an you know, associate pastor, teacher, and whatnot. And she, she was just talking to me. She's like, I don't, I don't know how to deal with this. You know, God, God took her and, and this and that. And I said, stop. 
God did not take her. That thing took her. Whatever it was that she was abusing, I'm pretty sure it was alcohol, but that took her. And it was evil, and it was wrong. And God didn't have anything to do with it. Now, if she was saved, God accepted her home, brought her home. But he did not do that. And you could see it smack into the religion in her brain like a rock hitting a board, man. Just wham! And she didn't know what to say because she'd been taught that her entire life. And I told her, I said, the Bible says that God does not desire anyone to perish. He doesn't desire not one person to perish. So he's not taking them home. And she said, the Bible really says that? Yes, the Bible says that. And I'm not mad at her. It's the religion. She ain't taught no better. She didn't know. She believed what she was told to be the truth. Now, did she have responsibility? Sure she did. But that's not the time to... You should have been, no, no, not in that situation. She just needed a little bit of truth, just a little bit, to say, nope, that's not God. Because what does that belief do? That belief clouds everything you know about God. If God takes people, what kind of God is that? If God takes people, he would have no problem giving cancer to Pastor Morgan. Or hepatitis C to my mom. He would have no problem doing that. But that's not the God he is. So when you believe that God takes people, it's a whole lot easier to believe that he makes people sick, that he makes people poor, that he's doing this and this and this, and the enemy's got them, lock, stock, and barrel. Because what did they do? They've, they've seeded their, their entire control of their life is now gone. Because if God is doing things, these things, what am I going to do about it? Which is the correct viewpoint, just skewed way off access. Because if God's doing something, you can't do anything about it. It's God. Only we know better that he's not doing any of those things, that he's given us the power over those things, that we don't have to live that way. But only, only if I'll take responsibility. If I will lock my hand on the control of my life and say, no, this is not the way that it's going to be. Because the word says it doesn't have to be this way. Not because I don't want it to be this way, because nobody wants to live in poverty and sickness and problems. Nobody wants that. But they don't have any power outside of the word of God to change it. And we need to know better. I don't have a clock. Ooh, man. I did not even get through half my notes, but we have to be responsible. Mm. Write down a couple of things. Write down Luke 16, 27 through 31. It's the story of, of when Lazarus, the poor man, dies and the rich man dies and the rich man asks Lazarus or asks Jesus to send Lazarus back to tell his family about what's going on down here so that they can change their ways. And what, Jesus, uh, what, what uh, Abraham tells them is that they, they have the prophets. And he said, the prophets aren't good enough. And, and he said, well, if the prophets aren't good enough, a miracle won't be good enough either. That's the mindset of people. And I wanted to illustrate that with that, is that 
It don't, miracles don't matter. If, if people don't believe, they're not going to believe. If they can't accept the truth just on the, the truth's grounds by itself, miracles aren't going to change their mind. They're not. Because they'll explain it away. Well, it's, it's especially nowadays because, oh, it's just CGI. It's just CGI. It's just computer generated. It's fake. He could walk the whole time. It was just all computer stuff. It was a, it was, it was a magic show, you know? He had, he had contact lenses and eyes to make him look like he was blind, and they just popped him out, and then he could see. People have an answer for everything when they don't want to believe, when they don't want to believe. Because the Word says that you can look at around at the world and see God. It says that you can. And we, we do look around, and we see God everywhere. But what do other people see? Oh, it's Big Bang. It was aliens. Aliens, it's a simulation. I mean, they've got to, I mean, how dumb do you have to believe, be to believe that this is all computers? It's all computers. I'm just living in a simulation. Are you an idiot? Are you breathing right now? Because I don't know if you're alive, you're so dumb. I just don't, I don't know if I can grasp that. But people believe that. Rather than just say, there is a God, and he made this. Nope, it's a computer, it's a, aliens. What? What is wrong with you? What is that? I don't be at the very base level. It's I don't want to be responsible to a God. I don't want to have to say there's a God because if there is, then I'm responsible to him. Because then all, all that crazy stuff them Christians have been saying have been true this whole time and I'm in big trouble. That's why they say that stuff. So I'd rather live in my fantasy land out here, smoking the drugs that I'm smoking to give me these ideas and go, yep, nope, there's no God. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. Because the Bible says that every, every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Every. And the other side of that confession is going to be, man, I screwed up. Man, I blew it. Yes, you did. Yes, you did, but not us, amen, not us. We're going to be responsible Christians, amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your anointing on it that, that we'll, we'll read the word, Father God. We will work to be that workman that's approved in handling the word of God accurately, knowing your will, Father, that we can't be lied to, that, that we will live the way you want us to live and have control over the temporal parts of our life, Father God, to change them from the bad to the good, Father, and from the good to the great. We thank you for it in Jesus' name and for your word that you've provided and the anointing that's here to break the yoke and provide whatever it is that we need, Father. We thank you for it, and we thank you that you've outlined a system in your word, Father, that says that we, when we give, it's given back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, that men will give back into our bosoms, Father, and that we are blessed to be a blessing, that we will reach out and affect the kingdom with our resources, Father God, that your word, your light, your truth will go forth to the nations. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you want to give, there's envelopes on the seat back in front of you. You joined us on live stream. Thank you so much. Um, we appreciate you all out there. If you want to reach out to us and communicate with us, you can use our Facebook page or social, whatever social media or email you have access to. If you'd like to give, you can do so on our website at newlifefamilyworship.net and use the giving link and we will provide you with receipts and whatnot for your giving. And we appreciate you all. We'll see you here in a little bit.